0: We've come to celebrate you, God. We've come to celebrate you. We've come to celebrate all that you have done in our lives, all that you are, who you are, what you've done, what you're doing now. Today is a salvation celebration. We're not just celebrating the fact that when this is all over, we get to go to glory, but that you brought glory to into us now Father we pray that you would just anoint this moment with just your manifest presence here there may be some that are struggling having a hard time celebrating what you have done because they're so caught up in what they're wanting you to do but everything I've seen you do in the past Prepares me for what I have not yet seen you do in the future. So I'll even celebrate looking forward to what you're going to do. Lord, I pray that you would touch every life here today. That it would be so evident that God is in this place. Every one of us would walk out of this building changed. And then the community that we live in, the families that we go home to, they would be changed as well the power of God in us through us God I pray that you would just anoint Pastor Terry as he comes and brings your word Lord anoint it in the preaching and anointing in the hearing as we hear Lord you would apply it directly to every facet of our lives we will thank you for it we give you glory to it all in Jesus name we pray Amen well For the last two evenings, we've had uh, Pastor Terry Payne uh, from Kingfisher, Oklahoma, which is near Oklahoma City. He's a friend of mine, great friend of mine, and it's been just a blessing as he's been here for the last two evenings. But if you you haven't been able to make it, uh, we're glad you are here today. So I felt the need to introduce him to you, Uh, mighty man of God. We've already used his testimony in our church of how God can do for us what he's done for him. Uh, their church received uh, just a, a great word from the Lord, it's time. And when he received that word, uh, Pastor Terry, being a man who hears God and moves upon his moving, uh, moved their church to build. And in a, in a day, y'all took in like $1.6 million in one day. How did that happen? Because he moved on what God said. That's not, so uh, that was just a little introduction on the man of faith that's going to be sharing with us this morning. God has so blessed us with Brother Terry and we're so happy
1: to have him. Come on, brother. Well, thank you, Pastor Eric. Uh, You guys do know that you have a a gift from God, Pastor Eric and his wife, Chrissy, and the family. Um, It's not normal what you guys have here and what's happening here at at San Springs Church isn't normal. Aren't you glad that God does not function in the normal? He's super normal. So he sees us and what we think can happen, he shows up and we don't really understand things. Talk about the 1.6 million with the church. Uh, I was, God can speak to you, you guys know that God can speak to you however he wants because he's God, right? And it, I happened, I was in the Bible, which is the number one way God speaks to you, right? And I saw these two words, it's time, and I turned the page and I just couldn't get past those two words. I said, God, I turned back, God, it's time for what? And he goes, it's time to build. I said, but you know, we have like 80,000 and we need 800,000. That's what the two builders have already told us. And he goes, it's time. Well, um, I've shared that testimony Well, within a 24-hour period, um, we had 1.6 million. God doubled down on what we needed. And I didn't tell nobody. I just met with another company, told my elders, hey, I believe we're supposed to meet with the third company, and we met the third company and they said, Well you need 800,000, 20 percent before we can start, and I said, I I knew that already. And I drove away, my phone rings and the whole story, guys, God, God began to use three individuals in our community, and they all said, Come by my house, I'll have a check for you. In a twenty-four hour period we had one point six million dollars to start a building. I remember fifty percent of our people in our community are on free and reduced lunches. That means 50% of our town are below the poverty level. God can show up and do things that you don't think possible when you take one step out of the boat, amen? Well, let's get started. Father, we thank you for who you are. We know that you're a God that does miracles. So we give you all glory and praise. We take nothing for ourselves because it's not us. It's all you. So we ask, Father, you would settle upon us right now. And there are people here, Father, that you know them, that you love them, Lord, that they need to hear this word that you've given me. So I pray that you would open up the hearts and guide them to receive what you have for them. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so I've been teaching on that. God has given us the authority to take out enemies that rise up against us. And today's message is called Awakening to the Real You. you see, I think sometimes we forget who we are, but you can't do what God's calling you to do if you don't remember who he's called you to be. But there's an awakening that's taking place at Sand Springs Church in your community. I'm telling you, as my wife came in here the other night, Friday night when we started, we could tell there's something different. Something is shifting, right, in Sand Springs here church, right? Are you okay if God shifts things a little bit? Aren't you glad that God wants us to be uncomfortable? He never says be comfortable. Every time God asks you to do something great, to step out of your zone, it's out of the comfort zone. My prayer for you guys is that you learn to function in the uncomfortable and think that's normal because you're being used by God. The alternative is that you stay comfortable and God doesn't use you. Isn't that a bad option? So I pray right now that you get uncomfortable by some of the words I I say to you today. But we're talking about right now, it's about facing the giants that we all have right now that I'm pretty sure that most of you have a giant. Maybe your giant feels this big and maybe that giant is just a little giant, but either way, giants don't belong in our lives. God's given us authority to remove them. Amen. Look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. It says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. God is saying to you, some of you are turning right now, I love that you guys have your Bibles, but I move fast, so you might just want to write down what chapters. I think it's, do we have the scriptures on the sky Bible? The sky Bible is behind me, okay, so you might just want to follow along because I move fast on this stuff. But I'm telling you, listen, it's not people sometimes we battle. The devil wants you to focus on people. God wants us seeing past people, and he wants us to see what's really taking place. Because when you see what's really happening, you'll think differently. David killed Goliath, but not what he saw, but how he thought. He thought, I can kill you because who's in me? And he took out Goliath, not because he was bigger and stronger. He was an eighth grader. Do I got any eighth graders in here? Any ninth grader? I see a young group. We got one right there. I'm telling you, God will use you. He's not looking for age, he's looking for faith. Amen. Where's your faith? We have a personal giant right now that has been attacking us with COVID, it's a spirit of fear, right? We know COVID's real, but the enemy will always leverage traumatic situations. And the enemy has leveraged COVID, he brought a spirit of fear that have frozen people. It's the same spirit that froze God's army. When Goliath was taunting them, they all froze. For 40 days they had to listen to, to Goliath talk trash against them, and it froze them in fear. That was a spirit. Just like we have spirits of lust that attack us at times, you have authority to bind up the spirit of lust, just like if there's something going on in your family. Have you ever noticed sometimes that you and your wife may be uh, arguing and there's just something, for no reason, there's friction. How about we just push pause and recognize the enemy sneaking around and we say, we bind up the spirit of division that's trying to affect our marriage, and God, we release the spirit of peace. In this environment right we have authority i talk about spiritual keys sometimes we forget that god's given us the keys to lock up and unlock things we got to remind us who we are that i have keys and authority amen i'm moving fast all right so here we go um david shows us how to beat goliath so i'm going to move through the story of david and goliath and i believe god has something new all of us in here have probably heard the story but i believe god has a fresh word in this story for us today okay I love the story of David and Goliath because it talks about a seamless, impossible situation that gets taken care of in about five seconds. Sometimes our situations have been around a long time, you think it's going to be a long process, God says it's going to be a short process. Um, he's just waiting for us to take steps. Now listen, first of all, you got to understand what does Goliath mean? Goliath means to strip. If you look at the word Goliath, it means to strip. What's, what does the devil try to do to us? He will try to strip us of our hope, our encouragement, right, our faith. He wants to take all those things and he wants to replace them with fear and discouragement and hopelessness, right? You got to understand the enemy has a purpose, but aren't you glad we serve a mighty king and a God that's more powerful than the enemy? He shot the enemy out of heaven like lightning. That's how fast the enemy can rise up against God. Like that, he was out of heaven, okay? First Samuel 16 talks about Jesse, the prophet. He, I mean, uh, Samuel, the prophet goes to Jesse's house and he's looking for the next king. Here we are, verse... 1 First, uh, First Samuel 16, verse 11, and Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Then he said, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is. There he is over there keeping the sheep. Imagine right now, I'm telling you right now, if you're a believer in Christ, you're going to face some rejection. And if you don't deal with your rejection properly, it will mess you up down the road. I believe David got messed up down the road because he had some father wounds. Can you imagine? It said he's over there. The prophet Samuel and all of uh, Jesse's family all looked over there, and there was David on a hill with the sheep. If that means they could see David, David could see them. David could see that he wasn't picked. All those brothers lined up. He knew that when the prophet Samuel showed up, something powerful was taking place. He knew that he wasn't over there, once again facing rejection. We know that David did some crazy things when he became king. He was a man after God's own heart. We know that, Scripture tells us, but we also know that David did some things that were not right and not healthy, right? Remember he killed Uriah, one of his 30 closest warriors, one of his best friends he had murdered because David got out of order and got an adulterous relationship. Okay? Why did David do these certain things that you're like, why would you do these things, David? I believe David had some father wounds that never got healed. He faced rejection. Rejection, how do you know it's a wound? Because rejection will cause you to do things that are not normal. I was playing football in college in California, and um, and they did a big article on my wife and I. We were 19 years old. At this time, I'm starting on the football team, and uh, they did this big article front page of the Orange County paper, and it talked about how I chose to be a follower of Christ, and it was basically just me sharing my faith. It was from that point on, something shifted with my head coach. He no longer liked me, okay? No longer liked me. It didn't matter how well I played. It didn't matter. He wanted nothing to do with me. It was so, I didn't understand what was happening, you know? I, I was playing well. I didn't understand, and I found myself getting benched. Okay, And I was so discouraged at the time, and I began to get angry at this coach for, do, for taking something away that I've worked a long time for, for no reason. I didn't understand. I was thinking 3-D, I'll talk about that, but I couldn't see what was really happening around the corner. Okay, so what I did, I had to transfer. I transferred to Oklahoma. I didn't like Oklahoma. I didn't like it. From Southern Cal, when we landed in Oklahoma, it was the end of December, it was freezing, it was cold. I threw a football here and it ended up over there. It was like hitting a golf shot in the wind. I didn't understand. The wind chill factor, what is that? Didn't know what that was. My wife and I, we joke sometimes. We drove in and all the trees had no leaves. They looked dead. I'm thinking, we talked about this, how come they don't take some pride in this state? Cut the trees down. We didn't know what dormant meant. We didn't know that the trees would have leaves later on. We didn't know none of that. We were young. I was so angry at, at my coach, but I remember, I, I, Lord, I was a Christian. We went to church every Sunday, man, and, and we didn't know much, but we knew if we could stay in church, we had a chance. Okay, we had little kids. We had two kids. That we had a chance. And um, I'm watching TV about a year later, and I thought I had forgiven this coach. Remember, he would rejected me. And I'm watching TV, and there's my head coach on TV. When I saw him on TV, I go, I hate you. Holy Spirit began to convict me. He said, how far do you have to go before you'll forgive him? You see, you can't outrun unforgiveness. Unforgiveness will travel with you no matter where you go, what new job you have, right? So I began to ask, Lord, give me the love to forgive. And I think the Lord began to say, no, I've already done that. Do what you've told, what I've told you to do. So I began to forgive him. I released that coach. I began to bless that coach. I blessed him. I blessed him so much he started to succeed. And that was hard for me. He became the offensive coordinator at Georgia, and I saw him beat my Sooners two years ago. That was my coach. Drove me nuts, but I prayed for him, and now I saw him on TV. I loved him. It was weird, because now when I saw him, I really had love for him. Right, I can tell you how do I know that rejection affects other people because my coaches that I was playing with in Oklahoma at that point, you say I kept them at a distance. They weren't going to hurt me like the other coach did, so it changed my relationship with other people. If you hold on to unforgiveness and rejection, it will change not just you but how you treat other people. The devil doesn't want you loving on people, he wants you keeping them at a distance. Don't you let that happen because you have the spiritual authority to release that person and pray for them and bless them, amen? All right verse 12 says this so he sent and brought him in samuel had king david come in or young david now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking and the lord said arise anoint him for this is the one then samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers and the spirit of the lord came upon david from that day forward remember that the spirit of the lord came upon david from that day forward that means david had power the holy spirit means you have power amen everybody say power Because that's what you have access to in the name of the Lord, amen? All right. So fast forward, there's this epic battle about to take place between the Philistines and God's people, the chosen people, right? David is given a basic task, I want you to take these snacks to your brother, deliver these. And David walks up, and as he walks up to deliver the snacks, he hears Goliath saying trash, talking trash towards God's anointed people. Here we are, verse 22, and David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper. Ran to the army and came and greeted his brothers. Then as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke according to the same words. That means he's talking trash. In other versions, he began to curse God's people. So David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the, the king will enrich. with great riches will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. So day after day, Goliath came out for morning and night for 40 days and he began to taunt and talk trash, right, towards God's people. Remember it's a spirit, right? And when we battle forces that want to come up against us, things like shame and unforgiveness and insecurity, those can be demonic. The army, they're impressed by by, by Goliath. Sometimes we get impressed by what's taking place in front of us, and that's not a good impress, right? When you stare at the enemy, you can find yourself impressed. He begins to grow. Goliath began to grow, right? And that's what took place. They were frozen in fear. I think sometimes here's the deal. We need to to stop letting our logical minds rob us from victories. All they could see was the muscles of Goliath and his weapons. Their logical mind says, you can't do it. I wonder how many victories that we've allowed take place in our personal lives because we let our logical minds rob us of the authority that God's given us. Amen? Verse 33 says this, and Saul said to David, remember David says, I can do this. I can take him out. But Saul says, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth and he a man of war from his youth. Remember, there's another layer of rejection. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard, isn't that amazing, and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover," David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Now uncircumcised, David isn't talking trash yet, he's not circumcised, he's he's painting a fact, a picture of the reality, spiritually what's happening. You see, the Israelite males, when they were born, they were circumcised, they were set apart to follow the Lord, right? David knew that he was in covenant. He was in spiritual covenant with the Lord, right? He had, covenant means you have protection. David had protection. He's telling the, de- he's telling Goliath, which represents the devil, you're unprotected. You're at of covenant. You're dead and you don't know it. My God's with me and he's about to handle his business against you. I'm just his servant. There was nothing special about David other than he took steps towards a giant. Amen? All right. And then you see that with, he begins to tell in that scripture that I just read that David said, I, I protected the herd. David was being prepared to face Goliath while tending to the sheep, and every time he had a victory while tending to the sheep, doing a job that nobody else wanted to do. Have you ever found yourself doing a job that nobody else wanted to do and you're feeling sorry for yourself? Why am I stuck with this cruddy job? Could it be that God's preparing you for another battle, amen? Don't miss where God has you in the moment. I think sometimes we're in cruddy job situations longer than we're supposed to because we're not receiving what God is wanting to do. But what if you say, God, show me what you want to do, and I'll do it with everything I have. If it means shoveling dirt, I will do it because at the end of the day, you're preparing me. God's never not just sleeping with us in the sense of he's not moving in our lives. Okay? So what happened? David also says how he chased down the lion and the bear. I believe David was the first superhero. I know you youngsters like probably watching superhero shows, right? I believe David was the first superhero. Have you ever tried to catch a cat? Hard. David caught a lion. Harder. Chased it down and and grabbed it by its beard. David had superpowers before superheroes were cool, all right? He had superpowers just like, listen. There is no junior Holy Spirit. That means that you have as much power as I do. You have the same authority as I do. That's why God says don't let anyone look down upon you because you're young because you have the Holy Spirit and you can do the same thing that David did as an eighth grader. There may be giants in your school system, giants in your community, giants in your home. Start warring and praying against them and watch what God does. It's not wishful thinking. It's coming to agreement with Scripture. God shows up. That's just what happens. Amen. But David was reminding himself, I think sometimes you just got to remind yourself, he's telling Saul, I've killed the lion and I've killed the bear. He's not just telling Saul, I believe David's telling himself, right? Some of you have giants right now. I bet tonight I got a little homework for you tonight. Here's a homework assignment, remember I used to be a teacher, I love giving homework, right? I I want you to write down three giants that God has helped you defeat so far in your life, three giants. Because the giants you're facing right now, what will happen, he'll begin to shrink. Because as you remember where God was faithful in the past, that will shrink that giant that seems overwhelming right now in the present. Amen. So David's reminding, he's encouraging, sometimes you got to be, don't wait for Pastor Eric to be the best preacher. You need to be the best preacher to yourself as you remind yourself in Scripture of what God has said in the word and how he's showed up before in your life, you start to encourage yourself. Amen. And as you do that, that's what David is doing, he's supercharging. You guys seen Iron Man? That's what David's doing now, he's supercharging himself against Goliath. That's what I think. Okay? Anyway, When I was 20 years, 29 years old, um, I got a job that no one thought I should get. I wasn't done with college yet. Um, I interviewed for a position to be, I was a teacher, a really good school system in Oklahoma. Called me um, three times, asked I'd be the principal, I said I could not, I was not done with my schooling yet, but God said go interview. So I went and interviewed, they offered me the job. Um, my college said you can't take it. It's actually against the law for you to take that, which it wasn't. But I was so, de- oh, you got to be kidding me. They offered me the job. Anyways, through the legal stuff, I could get hired. I was 29 years old. I was the youngest person in the building at the time. And there were teachers. There were 30 teachers in this building that were way better than I ever was as a teacher. This is a really good system. And now I am the leader of the school system in that building. And uh, the, prince- the superintendent comes to me and he says, hey, our test scores are average. And I want him to be the best. And he goes, I want you to fix it. I didn't know how to fix it. So I I spent a lot of time as a principal. Remember, I was a a Christian. I wasn't a pastor. I was just a Christian. I'm a Christian before I'm a pastor, amen? I can't do this unless I fill up on my own during the week every day. So I told my secretary, who was also a Christian, aren't you glad we have Christians in education? Okay, so I tell my secretary, hey, listen, don't let anybody interrupt me. I'm going to pray. And she would—I could hear her outside my—I had a little office window. She goes, "Don't bother. He's in there praying." (laughs) This isn't a Christian school. This is a public school. But I was okay with that. I wanted to know that their pastor or their principal prays. So I'm praying under my desk, Lord. I need a supernatural idea because I have no idea how to fix this. If I knew how to fix it, and the problem was these teachers were hard, they're hard workers and doing the best they could. And God gave me a supernatural idea how to fix it, and I called the staff meeting, and I called all the teachers in, I said, right now we're ranked 242nd out of 800 elementaries, and we're gonna be ranked first, and here's how we're gonna do it. One of my best teachers raised her hand in front of all the other teachers, she was one of my leaders, and she she said, but we have over 50% of our kids on free reduced lunch and I said, that's a fact. And then she goes, a lot of our parents, they don't show up to the, the parent-teacher conference meeting. We can't get them involved. I said, that's another fact. And they begin to list out facts, and I begin to tell them what the fact is. The fact is that God's given me a word for this building, and here's what we're doing. And I put that into play. And I took some shots because as leaders, you have to call the shots, but you've got to be willing to take the shots. And I was taking some shots, but I knew the Lord was with me. And a year and a half later, we got our test results back, and I called the staff meeting and I said, here's where we're ranked. We were ranked number one. Number one. And what do you think special about Terry did? I didn't know what I was doing, really. Only thing I knew was to follow what the Lord is telling me to do. But I needed a supernatural idea. David needed a supernatural idea. He knew if he got close to Goliath, Goliath had, you know the scriptures, he had this giant spear that weighed tons and and all all this tricked out armor. If David got close, he was a dead man. And David knew that. No, nowhere through Scripture did, did it say that David used a slingshot. I believe David said, I need a supernatural idea to defeat this enemy. Could it be that you have giants in your life and, you're, and God's waiting to give you a supernatural idea and he's waiting for you to ask? I want you to get in your quiet time and to say, Lord, I have this giant here, I need a supernatural idea how to defeat him. God can give that to you. He wants to, he loves to download ideas into his kids, amen? Aren't you glad that God loves you so much he just wants to download and drop ideas, like he dropped that idea in my head. I didn't know what I was doing, but God did. All right, moving on, verse 38 says, so Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said, Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off, right? it's amazing we often try to be when we're overwhelmed we start looking if i was just like that other person if i was just like, i compared myself so i've had to be careful if i was just like this other pastor here i could do what god's calling me to do and sometimes that's a trick from the enemy because god didn't call them to do it he called you to do it right he called you god anoints the real you not the fake you the devil's always trying to steal your identity if only you were like this God anoints the real you, the broken you, the one that has fractured. He wants, to, why did he choose an eighth grader to do a man's job? Because I think he wanted to say, no one's going to steal the glory from me. I'm choosing this one that no one thinks. He, everybody thinks, his own brother said, go back to the sheep. That was another side of rejection that David had to deal with. His own brother said, what are you doing here? We know you want to steal the glory. That's what they said. Crazy, right? But God anoints the real you. Verse 45 says, then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. I mean, you've been talking trash against the God Almighty, against his people. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. He gonna se- I'm, tell- I'm going to separate your head from your body, Goliath. That's what this eighth grader says. And this day I will give the carcass of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with a sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, he will, and he will give you into our hands. See, it's one thing to do something amazing for God. It's one thing to think that you can do. It's another thing to verbalize it. See, the devil, he doesn't have to listen to your thinking. He has to obey the words that come out of your mouth. There's life and and death and the power of the tongue. When you speak scripture, right, and the authority that God's given you over over the the enemy that's rising up against you and your family, your communities, when you begin to find a scripture, there's all kinds of scripture that God wants us to war with. We begin to speak those scriptures over the situation, right? The devil has to listen to scripture, he doesn't have to listen to our thinking. Okay? That's what David knew, that he made a public statement verbally, this is what I'm going to do. And you see, David also knew he wasn't going to fight Goliath alone. Remember, he's been anointed with the Holy Spirit. David knew it wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't you, Goliath, against me, it was you, Goliath, against us, too. David knew he had an unfair advantage. He wasn't going into the battle alone. He wasn't fully confident that the Holy Spirit could do something that David probably knew he couldn't do himself. Amen? Now, this is David's real advantage. <clears throat> I believe David knew in the back of his mind that he is, he is filled up with Jesus in the pasture. You see where was David found? Remember he was always with the sheep. Remember he was doing a job that nobody wanted to do. But he wasn't just wasting time in a job nobody. He was spending time with the Lord. A lot of the songs that we sing hymns were written from David during this time in the pasture, right? David's filling up with Jesus. The Holy Spirit settles on David. David's so full of the Holy Spirit. He just can't wait. I bet he's shaking. And he's not shaking cuz he's nervous. He's shaking cuz he's full. You ever try to carry a full cup? He's carrying this full cup and he can't wait to just pour it out on Goliath. Right? That's all David did. He just took that water, which represents the Holy Spirit, and he dumped it on Goliath, and Goliath's head came off, amen? God's not asking you to do it in your own strength. He's giving you the helper, the empower to do things, amen? Amen. We know that God tells us to pray for the kingdom of God to come now, right? Pray the kingdom down on earth. So think about what's in the kingdom. Are there any enemies in the kingdom right now? No, God's kicked them all out, right? They're fallen angels. God's kicked them out of heaven. God's telling us pray for the kingdom to come on earth. That means pray. What's what's in heaven? No, 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 um, no enemies. So God wants the enemies kicked out of your life also. Okay? So as you spend time in the secret place, this is important, you spend time with the secret place with the Lord, you can do anything that the Lord asks you to do, anything. You can love the person that's wronged you. You forgive the person that's hurt you. You can do anything when you spend time in the secret place with the Lord. David is in the pasture, that's the secret place, right? That's where we can all go, yet many Christians don't go there. I think sometimes we wonder why we're getting our tail kicked by the enemy, because we're failing to do what David did. Okay, here we go, Psalm 91, check it out. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him I will trust. Matthew 6, 6, here it is. But when you pray, go into your most private room and closing the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, he's there waiting for you. And your father who sees in secret will reward you in the open. All what happened is David spent time in the secret place of the father and David got rewarded in the open, right? He got rewarded in the open. Could your giants be hanging around taunting you and your family day after day because you weren't spending time in the secret place with the Lord? That's where the battle's won, in the secret place, right? Don't miss this. This is a game changer. The Lord says, shut the door because I'm waiting there for you, right, in the secret place. Here's when I wake up in the morning. I don't check my texts, I don't check my emails, right? I wake up and I'm walking down the hallway, and as I'm walking down, I'm taking steps in faith. What Scripture just says, Jesus, I know you're in the secret place waiting for me. I'm walking in my prayer room. I just made a little room, put a chair and a Bible in there. I'm walking into my secret place with you, and I don't got to earn my way into your presence. You're already there waiting for me. Amen. I'm just going there to rest with you and to talk to you, to read the word. And it's in this secret place God begins to download vision for myself, my family, and the church. I'm spending time with the Lord. Amen. That's what we got to get. I asked my friend one time, I said, hey, I said, hey, what's your, what's your quiet time with the Lord? What's that look like? And uh, he goes, well, when I wake up in the morning and when I'm going to the bathroom, I pull up my U version, get the word of the day. And I said, that's the stinkiest quiet time I've ever heard. And I was truthful, I was shocked, right? That's not quiet time. God doesn't want stinky quiet time. He wants your best, and he, does, he wants an uninterrupted time with you. Going to church is amazing. This is where God shows up in a special way when His people gather together, right? God shows up in a very unique way, but it's also during the week that you spend time with the Lord that He begins to download Himself. You'll begin to think like Him and talk like Him. People are going, there's something different, and you say, yeah, I've been in the secret place with the Lord. Watch their look. they probably think you're weird. That's okay, right? But David spent time in the secret place. Verse 48 says, so it, was, so it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out his stone and he slung it and, and struck the Philistine on the forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face, face to the earth. The Philistine's helmet back then, they had a special design if you know the culture. They had a diamond shape in their design, it was a decor, that's a bad problem. Right? Because David knew there's a little little, little spot in his helmet, there was a chink in his armor where that stone, I believe David had to take steps towards Goliath. I think sometimes we're uh, crying about God, how come you don't save me? How come you don't help me? And God's saying I'm waiting for you to take steps towards what's, what's coming up against you take steps of faith David took steps of faith he began to tell the giant what I'm gonna do he started swirling that sling and when he let go of that rock I believe the Holy Spirit did the rest all David has to do is release the stone I believe the Holy Spirit grabbed that stone and he stuck it right in that little diamond shaped design inside Goliath's head. it dropped Goliath like that sometimes we think battles are gonna last years that lasted maybe three seconds David didn't have one single bruise on him when you do things God's way God takes care of business amen Verse 51, therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem. I love that. Think about this. You've got an eighth grader with the head on his hand. He's got a, he's holding a head and he's got this big, fat, giant head. <laughs> It was such a cool, I can't wait to see this. When I get to heaven, I'm going I'm to watch this on video. So David's got this big old head in his hand, and I wonder if David walked through town, and he looked at the people. Remember, the people all knew, because all the women's men's were where? They were all frozen in fear at the battlefield. They've been missing their husbands, wondering if they're going to make it back alive. Everybody was well aware of what just took place, right? We know they start singing songs about this, right? So here comes David with this big old fat giant head. I don't wonder if David paused, because this is probably what I would do. David paused and looks at me and goes, so this is what you are Afraid of a boy had to do a man's job it was never about the giant it was about the spirit behind it he was intimidating you and this is what God can do see when a when a when a Christian is filled with the Holy Spirit he can take out giants just like this it wasn't a trophy for David it was a testimony for the Lord it was a goodness of the Father that showed up think about this I wonder what Jesus was doing during this epic battle right? Can you picture Jesus up in heaven? He's got all these angels surrounding him, right? And he said, come here everybody, hey, get close, get close, we're about to watch this, I want, you to, I want you to see what my son David's about to do, right? And everybody's watching this, okay? I believe Jesus was smiling because look what, ha- look what it says, Scripture says in Psalm 37 when Jesus looks at big battles that we're facing, the wicked plot against the just. And gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord laughs at him, for he sees that his day is coming. I believe the Lord was laughing during the battle because he saw what was coming towards Goliath. Amen. Jesus isn't worried about the Goliath you face. He's well aware of the the enemy that's rising up against you. He's too busy smiling because he's up there watching and can't wait to see how it ends. Amen. I think we're in a period of history right now where Christians that can't see 4-D are getting picked off. What I mean by that, this, this podium is three-dimensional. My iPad here with my notes on it, my scripture, it's three-dimensional, right, it has this shape. It's just a bit, it's what I can see right in front of me. The Israelite army, the only thing they could see was right in front of them, they were 3-D thinkers. They saw the muscles in the army. David saw something different, he peeked around the corner and goes, what's really happening? Sometimes we got to push pause and go, God, we got to think in the spirit realm. Right? God, what's really happening? Show me what's really taking place. And you think, I don't know, Pastor, you're getting a little weird talking about the spirit realm. I'm going to tell you right now, raise your hand if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If your hand's up, that means you've already functioned in the spirit realm. Let me tell you why. Because when you got saved, you believed in somebody that you couldn't touch. And you believe your salvation is going to send you to a place in heaven, a place you've never been. So you've already functioned in the 4D before. We just got to be reminded that God wants us to function in the 4D more than we we normally do. We need to see things. God, give us your eyes to see what's really taking place so I can begin to war and pray over what's taking place and take authority right in the name of Jesus of what's happening. Isn't God good like that? God's not equipped you just to sit around and watch things. He's equipped us to get into the battlefield. Get in the battle and take our positions. But here's the deal, I said this Friday night, every giant you refuse to fight will be a giant that remains in your land and torment your children. Think about that a second. Every giant that you refuse to fight will be a giant that remains in your land to torment your children. Listen, you have royal blood flowing through your veins. The King's blood is flowing through your veins. Remember, you're a new creation. When he accepted Jesus, you're a new creation. You got his blood in your veins. And one of the best ways to fight is through prayer. Look at James five sixteen. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. What does righteous mean? That means you're in right standing with the king. Not because you've earned it, but because of what he did on the cross. You immediately got in right standing when you surrendered your life to God, right? One time I was praying in my quiet place that I have, and I was praying, and, and I didn't feel the presence, of the Lord. I love to feel like right now when I come to your church, right? My son told me this Garrett preached here a few months ago. He goes, Dad, you're going to feel the presence of God there. It's amazing. I'm telling you, when I come, I step in, and I feel the presence of God, and you can't say that about every church. And I'm not talking trash about other churches. I'm just telling you, you got to be hungry for the presence of God. Amen? I love hungry people. You're hungry, your pastor's hungry. And God shows up to a prepared atmosphere. But I'm having my quiet time with the Lord and I said, God, I don't feel you. I've got to feel you because I, ha- I, can't be a, I can't be a husband, a father, or a pastor if you're not here. And God spoke to me very clearly, he goes, son, my relationship with you is not based on a feeling, it's based on a knowing. You have to know that I've heard every word that you've said. Sometimes we think, God, are you really, who am I really talking to, amen? God hears every single word that you are said, you've got to understand and get it in your mind that it's a knowing that when you're talking, he's listening. Look at, look at Proverbs 15. The Lord doesn't respond to the wicked, but he's moved to answer the prayers of the righteous. That's you. And look at 1 Peter 3.12. For the eyes of the, of the Lord Yahweh rest upon the godly, and his heart responds to their prayers, but he turns his back on those who practice evil. You see, you can't warrior up unless you armor up. And I think in Ephesians 5, when God says put on the full armor of God, he's talking to us today. I think sometimes Christians go out naked. We have a naked Christian spiritually getting their tail kicked because they're not getting armored up in their quiet time. If you close your eyes, let's let's pray, Father, we just thank you for the word that you've given us, that you reminded us, Father, to spend time with you first and then go out in love and, and, and authority. Handle the business you've called us to handle, Father, that your name, Father, would be exalted high above all names, Father, Lord we thank you that you chose us to serve you we thank you for this church and this community what you're doing here in athens father lord we just give you all glory and praise for you are the king of kings that equips us so equip every single person here right now holy spirit just infuse more of yourself in every single person i pray i pray for faith to rise that faith that we serve a mighty god that is awake and alive and he's moving in a believer's lives so fill us up more father of you We love you and we thank you and and maybe you're here right now and you don't know Jesus personally and you hear me talking about how he was with David, I just want to give you that invitation right now. Don't wait another day. If you're here today and you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, don't wait. If you die today right now, are you 100% sure that you'd go to heaven? If you're not, then you're 100% sure that you're 100% lost because you got to know that you know. So if you want to ask Jesus into your life today, it's really simple. Just slip your hand up and just say, today, Pastor, I want to give my life to the Lord. Anyone today? Anyone? You've never done that and you want to do that today. I see a hand in the back. Amen. 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 Let's give God praise. Anyone else? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? All right, here's how we do it at Lifeway Church. We pray together as a family, okay. I'm going to say a prayer, would you repeat after me as we pray along with this hand that was raised because families pray together. Just repeat after me nice and loud. Dear Heavenly Father, forgive me for my sins. Make me new. I believe you died on the cross and you rose from the grave to give me life. Take my life. It is yours. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's give God a clap of praise for his good.